0: So, welcome to Theology on Tap, the intimate edition. Um, (laughs) On a wet, cold January evening, Uh, it's good to be with you all. We get together about once a month. I don't have the February date yet, because I'm narrowing on a couple speakers, and Dr. Rory about that uh, a little bit later, because her interfaith contacts are amazing. Um, But we're going to do a series, and we may interrupt it by a month and come back to it in March, we'll see. We're going to do a series of interfaith conversations this winter spring. Around the topic life, death, and justice. Really looking at kind of big questions through an interfaith lens and giving uh, interfaith leaders a chance to kind of talk with us and help us learn, but also talk about the things we can work on together in this crazy state we live in. Roy Pickernice, needs almost no introduction. She is our rabbi in residence at Holy Communion, which is her most important title. It's true. <laughs> um, but uh, Rory is also the...
1: I was just talking to a bunch of people about my church, and they kept looking at me. <laughs> well,
0: it's, it's really fun when I get to talk about my rabbi yeah, with a best. collar on, which anybody at Holy Communion gets to say, well, my rabbi says. Yeah. So take notes. Um, Rory is the executive director of the Jewish Community Relations Council of... Uh, the St. Louis, greater St. Louis area, just St. Louis, I don't know, St. Louis, yeah, Um, and does a whole bunch of interfaith work on justice stuff, Uh, before that, Rory worked just down the street from Holy Communion as one of the first Orthodox women in a clergy role at a Orthodox synagogue, uh, (coughs) base Abraham, so uh, Rory is somebody that I feel privileged to get to hang out with. And I'm going to turn it over to Rory for the next 20 minutes or so.
1: Great. Well, it's good to be with you all. Um, so, before I'm going to I'm going to do like an introduction, but I'm going to do an introduction to my introduction because that's just sort of how we're going to do it. Which the the pre-introduction is that it's it's really difficult in many ways to have these conversations about life, death, and justice. In part because so much of the language that we use in this country tends to be grounded in really Christian context. And so inherently like to try to talk about it from a Jewish lens is already going to be me translating some things and then along the way I might kind of be like that sounds wrong because I'm like sort of putting it into these Christian words, not necessarily because I'm talking to you, but because that's how we talk about it in English, right? And so in some ways the best way to talk about it is sometimes to try to give more examples or things like that. And so it feels appropriate then, and now I'm transitioning to the introduction, before the after the pre-introduction, um, to say that tonight what we're doing is learning. We're going to be doing some, some education, what we would also call so called Torah, because we're going to engage in study. And um, it's not uncommon that we will dedicate our learning. And so I'm going to ask us today if we could dedicate our learning. One of my teachers passed away this morning, mm-hmm. um, someone I haven't seen in a very long time. His name was Rabbi Moshe Khan, and um, he dedicated his life not in, in like this fascinating way that, that wasn't at least overtly in a justice sense, but maybe in some ways was, he dedicated his life to women's learning, women in the Orthodox community in particular, and taught women at a time where people weren't, and taught women in a serious way, in a way that most people um, were not doing. I learned with him for only a year, and it was a transformational experience for me. Um, I learned halacha, Jewish law from him, in a year-long study program that I did. And um, just two of the things that I really remember about him was that, first of all, all of our sources are not in English. They tend to be not even in Hebrew, but in a rabbinic Hebrew, which is sort of like a Hebrew and Aramaic. So my Hebrew is not fluent, but like even if it was fluent, that wouldn't totally help me. And so you would you would kind of work on these sources. So you'd work with a partner before you then would go into class. and. Um, and along the way, like you're reading something and you might do this in English also, like you read something and then you're like, I got the gist of it, like what did they mean by that one sentence? I don't know, but like I got, I got the feel. And like you'd show up in class and he'd say like, okay, what does it say? And you'd talk about it and you'd be like, oh, you missed the most important word. And it was like every word, but, but what he did was like really pushed us to say like, you're going to understand every part of this. Um, and um, and also, so that was the style you'd learn and then you'd go in and he'd call on you. And it might have been a class like even this size. and. When, when you would be explaining what it was that you had studied, he would have the most intensive look, but it would almost look kind of like, like judgmental, right? Because he would just be listening intently. And I would be, because again, this is like the first time I really embarked in serious learning. And in my head, I'd be thinking like, I got this totally wrong. I got, like he doesn't like it at all. He doesn't. And at some point, you'd hit like a critical mass of the source or something, and his face would just light up. Like, you got it. Like, just this, this smile would come over his face. Um, and, so, and so I want to dedicate our learning tonight to him. And, and I want to, like, maybe unpack that a little bit in terms of, like, what that even means, right? What does it mean in the Jewish community when we talk about dedicated to learning? Because I think that's already, like, a theological statement. What, is, like, what does that mean about death that we think you can dedicate learning? It's hard to put it totally into words. I already said some of the reasons why. But the other reason why is that we don't actually talk about life and death a whole lot in the Jewish community. Um, it's a thing that we just don't really understand. And so we don't spend a lot of time talking about it. Um, I think there's sort of this attitude of like, we'll figure it out when we need to worry about it, right? That like we really focus on, on what we need to be doing in this world. And so to that extent, I think we talk a lot more about justice. But um, that feels like a cop-out answer. Um, we do have this sense that there's something that comes after this life. think that's like something that Judaism very much um, believes in we don't totally understand what it is although in many ways it comes with a sense of like a divine justice and I I wonder sometimes how much of that is kind of based on our sources and how much of that has been thousands of years of Jewish history where we've often gotten the raw end of the stick and so it's like your hope is like okay but there's another world and that's really good Um, but there is a sense that like that there's something that the soul does and that, and that we on this earth have the ability to elevate that soul. That after a soul departs, we still could kind of like give good deeds to that soul. And we do it through dedicating things to that person. That when we learn in somebody's honor, and it's not uncommon what I'm doing tonight, but also that like we might have a group of people that will all pick sources. Okay, we're going to study the five books of Moses, right? I'll take the first half of Genesis. You take the second half. You take the beginning of Exodus, right? Like, we're going to kind of go through. We're going to study it. And we're going to study it knowing that we're doing that in memory of this person and that somehow we're, like, passing forward merits. What does that look like? Like, is there some kind of divine scoreboard? I don't know. Like, I know that I sort of believe that in my soul, like, in my innermost soul. But how, how do I, like, envision it? I don't spend time worrying about it. Like, honestly, um. We have a sense that, that a person has, um, that there is the potential for like a year of what we would call sort of like a purgatory, right? Where like, there's like atonement for sins or things like that, that it could be less than a year, but that it only goes up to a year. So if somebody has led a really bad life, I think we make exceptions if we really don't like a person, like there's certain people we think are like irredeemable, but that's a bold statement. Um, you know, like, like like, Hitler is, like, on that list, but, like, beyond that, Um, right, and so that's the thing, so, like, it's sort of the job of the people who are closest to that person to try to, like, bump them up, Um, and so family members will say the Kaddish prayer, and the Kaddish, which means holiness, like, sanctification, it's a prayer that we say after somebody dies, immediate family will say it, and interesting, it doesn't mention life or death, it just mentions God and the holiness of God, but the family will say it, and children, most family members will say it for a month after a family member dies. Children will say it for 11 months for a parent. And there's something also about, like, 11 months. Like, we don't really think you needed a year. Like, we're going to do it because, like, we think you might need a boost, but, like, no, you didn't really, like, like, that's also, like, the compliment to you. Like, we don't think you need a full year. You were good. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have this sense of, like, ways in which we try to, like, keep giving things um, to this person. There's ways in which we think that it also helps, like, keep a person alive in our lives. Um, Oftentimes after somebody dies, we'll say, may their memory be for a blessing. And that's kind of the very traditional Jewish greeting, comment that you would make to somebody after somebody dies. Or, you know, you might say about somebody, like, I heard somebody died, may their memory be for a blessing. And, and so it's this idea that like, if somebody really leaves their mark in the world, then that mark, right? So look, like my teacher I talk about, I mean, it was amazing to me today to see all over social media, like tons of people that I've overlapped with sharing their stories. And most of them were the same stories that I had, but, but realizing like here was this person who, thousands of women who had studied, who then became teachers, who then taught their own students, right? Who like transformed this field, right? Like, that is like the greatest honor that you can sort of give to a person is, is noting all of those things and um, and the last thing that I'll say and it's particularly about death is that we also consider honoring the dead to be the greatest kindness that you could do it's the greatest of the good deeds we call it chesed shal emet like the, the true kindness because it's the only thing that you could ever do in your life that you never expect repayment for you know this person can never do it in return. Mm. Um, so we take really seriously caring for a body after somebody dies, burying them. Um, very frequently we will um, we'll do burials pretty quickly after somebody passes away. We will, um, in the Orthodox community, this is different in different communities, in, I think in more reform and conservative communities, um, it's very common that people will then accompany the... Body to the cemetery and then help with the burial process. They might kind of scoop a little bit um, of the dirt and will usually there'll be shovels there. We'll usually start off with the shovel upside down and the idea is is like it's supposed to be this like gentle thing. Like you can't like scoop really heavy when your shovel's upside down and it's supposed to be like a, like you don't want to do this. You don't want to be you know saying goodbye to this person. Well, then we turn the shovel over and so in reform and conservative communities, people will do like a few scoops in the Orthodox community where I am from like we don't leave until you've buried the body. Like you don't, you know, so sometimes people will just kind of do like a cover and then they'll trust that the cemetery will come. Like for us, like, like you make sure that you have finished the job before you leave and that is like how you care for a person. So I started off kind of with death because I think that one's the hardest one to really totally understand um, for me. But I think it also says a lot about both life and justice in many ways. Um, to the extent that part of... of what I find really interesting in, I think when, when I've encountered communities that focus a lot on death and the afterlife, it sometimes devalues this life, right? Like, like, what are we doing if it's, if, if that's the true place? And I think for the Jewish community, because we don't, we don't really know, like, there's lots of stories we tell. The rabbis have stories. We've been heavily influenced by the cultures in which we live. So, any any idea that you have about death, there's a Jewish source that says it. Reincarnation, we've got some sources on that. Heaven and hell, we've got some sources on that, right? But that's because, like, we've lived in a diaspora for thousands of years, and it turns out when you live among other people, you start to, like, pull off their ideas. But the earliest sources we have really don't talk about a lot of those things, and I think that really pushes us to say that not that we think this is all there is, but this is what we're supposed to focus on. Like, what comes next? I don't spend a lot of time, like, you know, uh, so, so in a sense, like, there is this sense of, of maybe a divine judgment or justice, but does God weigh this more than that? I don't know. And I don't lose sleep to say, oh, like, I missed those points, but, like, I got those points, right? Like, it's sort of just the sense, like, it's not for us to kind of decide, um, and, and the same for good deeds, right? Like, it's not for me to suddenly be like, oh, but did you see I, like, picked up that bag that old lady <laughs> dropped, right? Like, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know the role that I have um, in the wider world, but I know that my job right now is in this world. And so that's really what our focus is going to be on. And, and in that sense, then, like, if we sort of relinquish divine judgment to... This future world, and and I say this carefully because in Jewish sources we tend to call it the world to come. We don't talk about heaven and hell. It's also not a hundred percent clear in Jewish sources if the world to come is the life after death or like the world we can build if we just finally stop screwing up this world. Like the world to come could be like twenty thirty when we actually get our act together. Not holding out hope for that, but in the hypothetical, right? Like the sources, like it just calls it the world to come. What does that mean? So. So I'm using that language intentionally, but if we sort of say that there's like a divine judgment that that's like for the world to come, then in a sense, this world, judgment and and justice becomes my responsibility. We're not waiting for God to step in and intervene here. Maybe, maybe after death, like that's when that person really gets what's coming to them, but like, it doesn't really do me any good, right? So this person has been doing terrible things that's harming people. Me believing that one day they'll get justice, that doesn't really get me anywhere as opposed to saying like, okay, so maybe my jo- and if my job's in this world, and if our focus is on this world, then this world has to be the best world that it can be. And again, maybe this world is the world to come. Maybe this is the world that we're supposed to be building. And so we spend a lot of time really focusing on how do we understand justice? How do we understand divine justice? And then what's our job to put divine justice into this world here? I haven't been keeping track of time. And okay. I just told that throughout like a whole lot of ideas and stuff. But I feel like I can pause here. Or maybe I don't know if you want to no, let like, not... it Or like if people have follow-up questions. I can keep rambling. So but we'll, the... I feel like that was a good cover. Maybe, yeah? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> did I hit all the points? You I mean, lots of points. <laughs>